good to get the applause before than after. <laughs> you might not get the applause after, so we'll get it before. Oops. Good to see you all. Um, as um, was mentioned, I am uh, Director of South American Missions for GEMS. GEMS is the Japanese Evangelical Missionary Society, and we're based, our, our headquarters are in downtown Los Angeles, in Little Tokyo. And my responsibilities are to serve amongst Nikkei communities in South America. Nikkei is an interesting word. It's fairly recent, maybe the last 10 years. It's kind of risen to prominence. It means those of Japanese descent living outside of Japan. So there are Japanese, of course, Japanese Americans living here. There are Japanese Brazilians in Brazil, Japanese Argentinians. Where? Good job, Argentina. <laughs> I feel like I'm giving things away. But anyway, uh, we're, uh, the, the responsibility that, that I have is to establish connections, network with uh, leaders, with churches, with communities down there in order that they might have an opportunity to not only learn about Jesus, but also to cultivate leadership, to work together in strengthening their churches. So it's really a privilege for me to do that. And as I was mentioning yesterday at the retreat, it's such a joy to speak in English. Let me tell you, I'm so happy today. <laughs> but I thought, you know, just to kill a little bit of homesickness, Let's have Spanish class today. You ready? You guys said, how many of you guys took Spanish? Wow, you a lot of you did. Wow, okay, so I expect you get, you know, 10 out of 10. Yeah. All right? So this, my Argentinian friend, Sebastian Cacazu, you know, this is, you know, this is like, like here we're Arnold Cacazu, but his name is Sebastian. You know, how more Spanish can it be? He had, he had this written on a whiteboard during a recent class he was teaching to entrepreneurs. And it's 10 things that require zero talent. Do you see it up there? 10 things, 10 causas que requieren cero talent. Got it? Okay. So can you read them? Let's see if we can go through them. Okay. 10 things that require zero talent. Number one is what? Be punctual. Good job, all right, you got that. Number two. Work ethic. Work ethic, that's right. Number three. Uh, strive. Strive, could be strive, work hard, work hard is good. Number four. Body language. Body language, oh you guys are just scoring really high. <laughs> number five, everybody should get number five. Energy. Energy, yeah, good for you. Number six. Attitude. Number seven, everybody. Fashion. Fashion. Number eight. Accept what you are taught. Uh, number nine. Do a little more. Do a little more. And number ten. Be prepared. Be prepared. Excellent. You know, when people think of the outreach of the church, you know, they, they often think it's the work of people with special abilities and gifts. You know, oh, Pastor John must be extremely talented. Pastor John is not talented at all. Uh, so let's, let's eliminate that idea altogether, okay? You know, maybe we think that missionaries or those who do ministry are those with uh, multiple skills and talents. And while some may have 
exceptional ability, most of those who serve the Lord, whether it's locally or overseas, are regular people. They're regular people who responded in faith and obedience to God's invitation to serve. Much of our willingness to take a step of faith to become involved either in the local church here or on the mission field begins with these, these ten things. These ten things. Now looking at this list, these qualities are not about skill. They're not about exceptional ability. Rather, they're about a mindset of willingness and service. Yes? No? Yes? Yes, okay. You don't need a degree in anthropology to serve in short-term missions. You don't need 10 years of music lessons or a crash course in Berlitz language school. You don't need a pilot's license or the ability to play the saxophone. That's amazing now. <laughs> really nice. I like wine. Wow. I was thinking of Kenny G. <laughs> so, okay, maybe you have to have some talent. But anyway, the idea is you don't have to have a talent in carpentry, plumbing, general contracting. These things are not necessary to be a missionary. But you cannot serve in missions without the 10 things that are listed up here. Instead of thinking about what you cannot do for the Lord, I'd like you to, this morning to kind of turn the switch and think about what you can do, the 10 things you can apply to the service of God's kingdom in 2020. 2020 is just around the corner. We're in October already. What happened in 2019? It went, right? It went super fast. 2020 is coming. So how are we going to prepare? Let's look at our passage this morning. And thank you, Aaron, for reading the first part of uh, Ephesians chapter 2. But I want to focus today on Ephesians chapter 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Sorry. Now this is what it says. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2.10 is about establishing a sense of purpose and a sense of direction for our lives. I want you to look at something that's very familiar to you. You see it around town. You might even see it in your mailbox. But here, let's take a look at this. You know what this is? It's FedEx. You know, it's the FedEx logo. You know, there's an arrow in there. Can you see the arrow? Yes, no, yes? Okay, white arrow. According to Ephesians 2.10, we've been designed with a purpose. We have an arrow designed in our hearts, and the arrow points us to worthwhile service for Jesus Christ. Some of you are still looking at this. <laughs> um, Pastor John, I don't see an arrow. That's okay. Took me a while. Okay, if, you, if you look at the EX, Buried in white in the EX. Do you see the arrow now? There it is. Okay, I'm glad we all on the same page. But the idea is that, you know, sometimes things can be very obvious. Sometimes we don't see them. We don't understand it. But what I want to say to you this morning is that God has created us with a purpose. He's created us with a design. He's created us with an arrow in our hearts. And that arrow points 
to service for Jesus Christ, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We're bringing 2019 to a close. What choices are we making to make 2020, in 2020 to have our lives reflect the purpose and the direction that God has created for us? We're back at this passage. I'd like you to circle in your mind one word in verse 10. If you have your Bibles, if you've opened there to Ephesians 2.10, I think it's okay to do it in pencil, to uh, circle the word workmanship. Or if you're in NIV, it has the word handy. The word workmanship comes from the New American Standard Version. What it tells us is that God created us for a purpose. He didn't work, just work to save us. He also invites us to serve Him. Salvation isn't the finish line. Can I say that again? Uh, salvation isn't the finish line in the Christian life. It is the starting line. Are you with me on that? I mean, y'all staring at me like... Okay? Salvation isn't the, isn't the finish line. So often people imagine that salvation is the end zone. Okay, I accepted Christ, I can spike the, go, spike the ball, I can relax, and I can cruise to heaven. I can do whatever I want now. Is that biblical? No, no, no it's not. If you look at the, uh, Philippians uh, 3.10, it's written in this fancy way. I was looking for this on the internet, and so this is what I got. I don't know, can you read this? Okay, it says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. So Paul understood this. Salvation isn't the end zone. We want to know more. We want to know the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What he's saying is that beyond salvation is something even more, something even more exciting. Salvation is the foundation for the rest of our lives. Paul describes it as experiencing the power of the resurrection in our lives. The word for power here comes from the Greek word dunamis. And I'm sure you've heard this all before. Dunamis is a Greek word, and it's a word from which we get the English word what? Dynamite. Dynamite. So we're saying, yes, to know the dynamite of his resurrection. Paul is saying that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available to us, enabling us to do great things. It's a power that transforms. It's a power that equips and enables. God's gifting is marvelously able to fit us into places of service. You know, very often times we do an inventory of what we can do and we look at the work that needs to be done and we decide that we will do or we won't do what's ahead of us depending on whether we're skilled or people. Isn't that right? In other words, we look at the inventory things should be done and I look at myself and I say, okay, I can do this, this, and this. That, that kind of how it works. Uh, in my experience, this might be backwards. Okay, well, Wait a minute, what? I don't understand forwards. How do I understand backwards? 
backwards, that instead of looking at ourselves and seeing if we fit the work that needs to be done or not, we need to see what needs to be done and then ask God to gift us to do the task. How about trying that instead? Because if we are going to know the power of his resurrection, that means that whatever is before us, we ask God, God, empower me to do this task. Rather than simply saying, well, let's see, I can, I can wash the windows. I, I can handle that. I can vacuum the floor. I can handle that. No. We find ourselves many times doing that. But what it means to live by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ you know, let, let me let me let me make a statement here, and you you tell me whether or not I'm right, and Pastor. You can you know you you can you know, make sure Pastor John's not saying something stupid because that's always possible. Okay, here's the statement: anybody can do what they can do, but to do what they cannot do is about God. Can I say it again? Anybody can do what they can do, but to do what they cannot do is about God. See, are we experiencing the resurrection power of God in our lives, or are we simply doing what we always have done? That's the challenge. The first time I visited Brazil, I, I worked primarily in uh, South America, but especially in Brazil. And the first time I visited Brazil, I spoke only English. And during that first visit, I, God laid on my heart a, a burden for that country. And, you know, I could have said no. You know, I, I don't speak the language. I don't know the people. I don't function well away from home. But living the resurrection life is about believing that God can equip us to fit in where we've never fit before. And I remember negotiating with God. And you can do this. This is okay. Negotiating with God, if you want me to do this, if you want me to serve in South America, you've got to give me the language. Because in Brazil, Brazil, it's all about relationship. There's such a warm culture. They're about friendship, about relating to each other. And I knew that if I didn't speak the language, that wasn't going to happen. And so I needed to be able to speak the language. So I said, God, let's, let's make a deal. If you give me the language, I'll do it. Now, see, that might not be biblical or may not even have a lot of faith. You know, because you could easily, well, you didn't give me the language, so I guess, you know, I'm not going to do that one. God gave me the Portuguese language. He gave me the Portuguese language. And I don't mean that I went to language school. There's a language school in Sao Paulo, of Brazil, which is a nine-month program. My nine-month program specifically for missionaries. I did three weeks out of a nine-month program. That's all I did. That's all the formal study I received. But one of the things I have to tell you that what God did was he gave me, he downloaded the Portuguese language into my brain. And that I'm able to communicate in Portuguese, I'm able to preach in Portuguese, do all of these things. I've had people ask me, Brazilians, where, where in Brazil are you from? And I go, no, I'm, I'm American. Said, huh? You know, that is like, what? What do you say? You are that, you're American. No way. So, you know, I wanna I wanna say that. I'm not bragging. Because that's not about me. It's about what God does. It's what God can do. 
Let me give you an example by comparison. I love K-pop. K-pop? Anyone? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Only one out of <laughs> Seriously, y'all gotta get with it. <laughs> Different crowd, yeah. Especially, there's some young people here. K-pop? <laughs> Only one person. But she really loves it. <laughs> Are you a BTS person? No, I'm not. So. <laughs> My favorite group is G Friend. Okay. So anyway, because of K-pop and K-dramas, I've been trying to learn Korean since September of 2015. I don't That's about it. <laughs> Nothing is happening in terms of Korean. You know, contrary to what people might imagine, I do not have a facility for language. It's not about me. It's not Pastor Don, you're so intelligent, you you know, you learn Portuguese and so forth. And no, not at all. It's not about me. It's about what God provided. It's what God enabled me to do. Like I said, Korean's the is kind of the measuring stick. I can't do Korean. And I'm also Japanese American, and I can't do Japanese either. <laughs> so you know, it's it's about God. It's about God who enabled me to to learn Portuguese in such a way that I've been able to serve in Brazil for the last 20 years. Is that your God? Is that your God? Or are we still insisting with God what we will do and what we won't do? If we're going to see resurrection power manifested in our lives, we need to say yes when God invites us to step into places that are not always comfortable for us. Because only then will we see the power of God at work. Here's another statement I will make, and I will need to have Pastor check me on this. Okay. He's your... He's your He's a guy that makes sure Pastor John say the right stuff. If you're just going to do what you always do, why do you need God? If you're just going to do what you always do, why do you need God? The resurrection power of God expresses the miraculous. Now circling back to Ephesians 2.10, this passage, God uses the word handiwork or workmanship to describe us. And, and the word here used here for workmanship is the comes from a Greek word poema. And it's a word we have in English for poem, but I think it means something much deeper, much richer. The word poema can also mean masterpiece or work of art. Can you imagine? God considers you and me to be a work of art. We are his masterpieces. And he's done all of this work in order that we might produce beautiful work in our lives and the work of other people. And what, I, what we need to hear more about ourselves as followers of Jesus Christ is that we are masterpieces. You know, many of us have grown up in, in, a, in a culture of, well, we're sinners. I'm just a sinner. I'm just the same. And we, we think of ourselves as we're still broken. 
we're still fallen. But the reality is the New Testament tells us that we are saints. That those of us who are in Christ Jesus were saints. We would have been redeemed. We've been rescued by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Did Jesus Christ die on the cross in order for us to remain sinners, broken, fallen people? No. He has created us to be works of art. You are a work of art. Can you imagine how God thinks of you? Created in Christ Jesus for what? What has God created us for? What has he created us for? good works which God created beforehand that we might walk in them we're, our, the question is are we, be will, are we willing to be placed into his hands to be shaped into that masterpiece that God has in mind for your life are you willing to be put into his hands let's put it in practical, practical terms back in June 30th 1859 a man by the name of Charles Blondin um, accomplished an amazing feat. He crossed the Niagara Falls on a tightrope. He crossed on a three-inch manila rope stretched 1,100 feet across the falls at a height of 160, 160 feet. That's, that's a little bit nuts. No? <laughs> Then on, then on September 15, 1860, he accomplished his most amazing feat of all. And it went something like this. Before crossing the rope that particular day, Charles Blondin turned to the crowd and said, do you believe that I can carry someone on my back across this rope? And the crowd roared its approval. Yes, we believe you can. How many of you can believe that I will carry a man across this rope on my back. We believe. We believe. We believe. Then Charles Blondin asked the question, who will be that person? <laughs> who will volunteer? The crowd fell silent. <laughs> silent. Next, Blondin pointed out another man. He says, what about you? The man says, I believe. And Charles Blondin said, will you trust me? And the man said, I will. Now what the crowd didn't know was that the man was actually Charles Blondin's manager. And Charles, his name was Harry Colcord. And he had a lot of money invested in this event. He you know, brought food and drinks and merchandise for the event. And he felt like if people just went away, you know, he's going to lose his money. So he says, well, we need people to say. So he decided to do this, to climb on the back of Charles Blondin. And they headed across the falls on that tightrope. The crowd waited breathlessly while they crossed, and they roared their approval once they completed the crossing. Now, many people believe that Charles Blondin could do it, but none wanted to be that person. The challenge in stepping up to missions and ministry is really the same thing. It's who will do it? Will you believe? Will you believe? 
Do you believe that missions important? As missions is important? <coughs> yes, we believe. We believe. Do you believe that serving and ministering at South Bay Presbyterian is important? Yes, we believe. We believe. The question is, who will volunteer? Who will volunteer? It's very interesting to me that, you know, as we come to, I think, the end of this year, you folks have a an Ensenada trip coming up. Isn't that right? Uh, I'll make it specific. Ensenada trip. You know, y'all that were so good at the Spanish test earlier? <laughs> Here's a chance not to, you know, just you know show off on Sunday morning. You can actually go to Ensenada and use it, maybe, as long as you use those 10 words. <laughs> But the idea is, you know, here's an opportunity. The church is saying, yeah, you know, would you like to come? You believe missions is important? Yes, we do. Then Ensenada's for you. No, I don't know. Let's, let's give God the opportunity to utilize our lives in such a way that we show his power, that we show his grace, that we show his mercy to the world around us. For some of you, for whom Ensenada is not enough, talk to me about Brazil. I'll be happy to take you there. But here it is. We are his workmanship. We've been created in Christ Jesus to do good things. To be able to touch the world around us. To bring encouragement, to bring grace, to bring the good news of Jesus Christ. Will you do it? Let's pray, shall we?